I've been like scared of what putting my whole self online would look like. Like that's too intimate, that's too scary. I just feel like Jesus really pressing on my heart in it that like he's opened himself up to be fully known and he's been misunderstood most of the time. And it does not take away the value of him being fully known or fully knowable. And it actually makes that offering even richer to just say, this is the truth and I have nothing to hide. Like this is me. I think there's a huge value in not self-protecting. And I think that living with Jesus actually is my self-protection, the protection that I need to be completely open and to be completely honest with intimate things. So here we are recording another episode yes. of nap time sessions mm-hmm. because it is nap time. Are we ready to hop right into a I'm ready. subject? Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know a very clear way to ask the question, so I'm just going to jump into it and we'll kind of navigate from there. When you're looking at your life as a whole, what parts of your life do you feel are negotiable or non-negotiable? Or like what parts of your life are you able to choose and are things that you can't choose, like choose to opt out of? Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, I feel like most of my life right now is stuff that I can't opt out of. Everything related to Boo Boo, Judah, our baby. Everything related to him. Being intentional with him, diaper changes, clothing, food, engagement. And I think that it's not 100% true, but I feel like the work around the house is another thing I can't opt out of. So having the dishes done, having the laundry caught up, all of those feel like things that are on my plate that I actually don't have an option to not do. Am I missing the heart of your question? No, that's okay. exactly what I'm asking. Yeah. And things that I can feel like time spent with friends or family, not you and Judah, but extra family, coffee dates, time to myself, engaging in activities that fill me with joy. Those feel like things that can happen, but only after the must-dos are done. Can I challenge just a little bit of what you're saying? I think you should. (laughs) If all of the care for Judah, all the care for the house, all of those things are Mm non-negotiable, what happens if they don't happen? What makes them non-negotiable? I think part of what goes into it is my history and my internalized expectation that a home in which a person can rest is a home that is clean. And I have a really high value on making space for rest and making space for you to be able to rest. And I'm tracking that anything that I don't do either cuts back on the piece of the space or falls into your lap as something that needs to get done. So it feels like taking on these things frees you up to invest in things that support our life financially and also invest in the things that bring you joy, which feels like those two things actually feel tied together where right now we're building a business that is partly financial and partly joy. And I think that investing in it in this season actually will create more of like a financial base. But I feel like part of my role is to like support that dream by taking things off of your plate. And if it doesn't get done, I I feel like it just sits in my brain as a like an expectation or a way that I have not lived up to my capacity or lived up to the standard. And Judah stuff, I think there's a little bit of pride in that where like, obviously I want to be the best mother I can be. And there are certain things like him getting new clothes every day that are not a big deal if he doesn't change his clothes every day. But I have like a level of pride and like, I want to be a mother that always has him in a fresh outfit that looks cute. (laughs) The way that I think I'm viewed would shift if I let things fall in that area. 
So in that context of Judah, what what pieces of that is non-negotiable? Is it how people perceive you or the actual task or where where's the non-negotiable? So um, just to like answer the question in the way that I understand it, what's non-negotiable with Judah is like that he doesn't sit in dirty diapers, that he is always fed when he needs to be fed, that when he has an emotional need, whether that's just like dysregulation or um, a need for connection, I'm there to be present with him through that need and like supporting him to play independently. Those things feel like the non-negotiables. I am creating an atmosphere in his world that's really important. And the negotiables are how it looks to other people. And the value that I think is maybe a little out of balance in me is wanting to appear to other people as though I have it all together. I'm just going to keep using the term non-negotiable, not because it's the perfect term, but because it's the term on the table. Mm -hmm. Does it feel non-negotiable that you are the one meeting those needs for Judah? That he doesn't sit in a diaper, that his emotional and physical needs are met? It doesn't feel like that's not negotiable. I think that we could maneuver the responsibilities and have that be a conversation. But what it does feel like is you have a different set of responsibilities and me taking the ones related to Judah onto my own plate frees you to do the things that I think your specific skill set is asking you to invest in in this season. So I think I take on more with Judah than is actually probably helpful for our relationship right now, where I think that we probably should be splitting it more so that I don't feel like it's all on me. But in a very practical sense, I think the majority of it should be on me simply based on practical realities of our world right now. It's a really interesting thing because I don't know if it's just male, female, or like particularly you and I, but you've talked previously about like our thresholds for different things being different, where like if, if there's dishes in the sink, my threshold is like much more sensitive to wanting them to be done. It will sit in my mind that they're there until they move. And for you, that's different where they could accumulate for a bit before it would come up to a priority list for you. And I think that that is one of the things that makes the negotiable, non-negotiable kind of a challenging conversation because if we were to just lay things out across a level plane and try and come to a middle ground of or a, an agreement of like, what are the things that are non-negotiable? I don't think that we would put the same things on that list all the time. What I think can be a challenge in trying to find a middle ground of like, what is required to be on my plate is just a sensitivity that I have to how a space looks and feels that isn't a universal value. So I think I put things in a non-negotiable category that are actually just preference and history. Sure. If we take if we take that perspective off the table, maybe say for the sake of this conversation that your perception is all that we're talking about. Talking from my experience and my values? Yes. Yeah. I'm actually meaning to ask what feels non-negotiable? Mm-hmm. What are you able to step into feeling like you've chosen it? Mm-hmm. And what are you stepping into feeling like it's been chosen for you or you're being forced? Yeah. Yeah. It feels very much like most everything in my life has been chosen for me and very little is what I'm choosing. Why do you think that it is? I think that maintaining our life to the level that my expectation is requires a lot, a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of intention. And there's just not that much margin when I get to the end of what I feel is required of me. And what drives what you feel is required of you? I think it's a combination of just having very high standards as a person, feeling like if I'm going to do X, I'm going to do X to the best of my ability. 
probably I'll have some competition in there too. Like I'm going to do it better than anyone that I know. I don't know where that comes from, but it's deeply rooted in me. I know some of it comes from my history. There was an expectation in our home that it was kept up to a very high standard. Even how I was taught to clean came with expectation of you don't do a halfway job. It's done all the way or you didn't do it. And so I think all of those things kind of blend together where I have a personality and a, and a desire for cleanliness. And I think I'm very easily distracted too. Seeing a pile of mail sitting on the counter doesn't just feel like a little clutter. It feels like a whole list of those are tasks that I'm going to need to handle. Each one of those pieces of mail comes with a list of things that's required. And the more I can manage my space where I don't see a, a pile of mail that has a whole list attached to it and I don't see a pile of dishes that has a whole list attached to it. Or let's say laundry, I guess that's a better example because dishes are just, you just do the dishes. <laughs> um, but laundry is a whole step of like, I sort your clothes and Judah's clothes so that I use different detergents for the two of you and then I wash them all and then some of your clothes don't get hung and some of them do and that's a constant thing I'm trying to remember. And then, so there's just a lot of pieces that I'm I'm tracking. I think as a very sensitive person who's easily distractible, I, I wanna be at the top of my list. I wanna be completing everything on my list so that my brain is more free. And that's an endless cycle of, I'm never quite done with my list, so my brain is never quite free. But I'm always just at the edge. Of, like, I'm, I'm always just a few steps away from finishing, so I always feel like I'm about to finish. And it's this, I mean, the workload in a home is constantly cycling. It's not stuff that you just do and is done. So it leaves me feeling pretty at capacity most of the time. In order to step away from that and invest in something I would like to invest in just for my own joy and pleasure, I am choosing to let it accumulate more because that's the nature of household tasks. It's like a very hard conversation to have. I'm recognizing I'm I'm very like emotional about this and it feels very tied to identity. And I think doing a job that's good enough for me, I think in my brain equates to being enough for everybody else. Oh. Uh, can I share something off the record? Yeah. I think it's really good. All right, coming back from a brief musical interlude, Judah does a super cute thing where he wakes up a couple times per nap, and it only takes like 45 seconds to put him back down, but uh, requires a little TLC. Do you know what I learned about that is he's got sleep cycles, and he's not linking his sleep cycles. Mm. So at the end of one sleep cycle, he wakes, and then we hush him back to sleep through the next sleep cycle because it goes down so peacefully mm -hmm. like it's not actually an issue whatsoever it just means trotting over to the room after 30 or 40 minutes of him being asleep and then right and then holding him for 20 seconds he's asleep with a passy you lay him back down and he's happy as a clam and sleeps mm -hmm. for another cycle that's actually really interesting yeah very normal and um, i have a couple of thoughts on how to help it dope we should talk about that yeah on another another time. podcast Focusing back in on what you were saying. Yeah. What did I miss at, uh, right at the end there? I was just saying before I, I had a memory peak about um, some expectations that were on me when I was growing up around specifically household chores and just recognizing there was a lot of expectation on doing a job to the absolute best of your ability. Like as an 8, 10, 12, 14 year old, the standard was that of an adult. And the idea was that if I hadn't done the job to the standard of an adult, I was choosing laziness. Essentially, I lost value based on how the task looked when I was done. It was a little emotional just recognizing. I have multiple memories of different tasks that had the same interaction around it where it didn't look the way that the adult wanted it to look. And I was told that my value was less, 
negative identities spoken over me because of the level to which I wanted to commit to that task. They say that like your parents' voice becomes your inner voice. And I was just realizing I don't clean the house thinking Will's gonna be upset if I don't, or my mom or dad is like at their house hoping I do a really good job keeping my own home clean. It's actually myself in my head telling me you're not good enough, you're lazy. You know, things that I heard once or twice in my childhood, but those things just really stick. It's become my own inner voice of expectation around the standard to which I have to live. It's kind of crappy. <laughs> it's good to know. It makes me wonder like what standard I would have for myself if I hadn't had those experiences. Would I look over at the dirt that the cat pulled out of the plant overnight and judge myself? Or would I just go, oh, looks like there's some dirt over there. That's fine, I'll get to it. You ever have some part of a conversation and you just want to go have a really good cry? Not me specifically, just because I don't I don't generally translate a feeling into what I really need to do right now is cry. Yeah. But I think I know what you're referring to. So yes is the answer to the question, even <laughs> though either even though no is the answer to the Yeah. English. Even just learning about child development. Oh, this is so interesting. Get it, girl. I was listening to this podcast the other day, and they were talking about healing your inner child, right? And that's things that we hear people talk about all the time, and we either love that or we really hate it and think it's stupid. But they were talking about how you can't heal a historic wound by looking at it from your perspective now and trying to talk sense into you at age eight. You actually need to go back and feel what it was like at age eight, like go back to being that little kid for a minute and grieve it as that child, grieve it as you were then, not grieve it now. Because my perspective on like what doing the dishes was like as a 27 year old now, I'm like, well, I understand where this person was coming from, all the different variables. And that actually removes me from the pain that was inflicted on the little girl and being willing to meet that memory in the place of vulnerability that you were at when you were that age is actually what allows you to grieve and release that process. In the same way that we watch children having tantrums now, we're realizing it's not just them having bad behavior, it's them releasing a buildup of emotions. Like kids don't remember their tantrums. They remember the things they weren't allowed to have a tantrum about. So it's actually like a release of tension. It's fairly cool. So good. So if we take all of those things we've talked about and just shift it just a little bit. Yes. If you had the autonomy or control to do so, what things would be intrinsically motivated to be non-negotiables in your life? Let me just see if I understand what you're asking. If I could look at all the things that are on my agenda and just handpick the things that I wanted to have be always on my list, non-negotiables, what would they be? Yes, I think... At least for the way I'm looking at it, mm -hmm. I'm I'm maybe thinking even a little bit more zoomed out. We're like, okay, for me as an example, I was just thinking about this in the car on the way to the, to Minneapolis Building Project the other day. So this is kind of the context that I'm bringing up this conversation. There's like I think three things for me that feel non-negotiable in my life. Mm -hmm. One is a roof over a head, utilities, running water, running warm water, and all those things disconnected or not reliant on someone else. Sure. So. I could have running water and a roof over my head and all these opportunities living in a room in your parents' house. Sure. But yeah, that yeah. doesn't seem like an option. Mm -hmm. The non-negotiable is for us to have our own space, mm -hmm. for there to be a roof, for it to be warm, for there to be warm running water and all these mm -hmm. basic requirements. Mm -hmm. When you and I were married and we didn't have a child, it was actually not that. That actually mm -hmm. wasn't the basis. Like right. we could live out of a car. We did all these sorts of things. And like, I don't know where we're going to be next month. Doesn't really matter. We could couch surf if we need to. Mm -hmm. So like those things shift. 
Yeah. Not a lot in my life has shifted comparatively to you when we had a baby, but things like that have shifted where responsibility is more. It's less fluid. Sure. It's become more stable in that context. The other or a second non-negotiable that I feel is meeting whatever spiritual, mental, emotional needs that you have or if I'm not meeting them, operating in like in debt to that. Oh, interesting. That feels like a default, right? like a non-negotiable where when I'm at my best, mm-hmm. meeting those things is very natural. Mm-hmm. If I'm not at my best, meeting those things is more difficult mm-hmm. or, or like falls behind a little bit. Sure. But if that falls behind, everything else becomes deprioritized by that or everything else is operating with the awareness of that like debt. Mm. And then the third thing mm-hmm. that feels non-negotiable is to pursue passion through calling. Mm. That's a non-negotiable for you. Yes, entirely. Wow. That's entirely a non-negotiable for me. Oh, jeez. And stands in contrast to the, those two other things. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Or often stands in conflict. Yeah. And I don't actually think that those three things need to be in conflict, mm-hmm. but those three pillars mm-hmm. are the basis of pretty much all of the conflict in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go put the little small boy down one more time, and I'll be right back. You Yeah, so just really quickly recapping what I was saying prior to Baby Waketh. That last point of feeling like pursuing passions is a third non-negotiable. That doesn't feel like something I get to choose. That's something that feels like is absolutely required. 100% like intrinsically motivated, but not something that I get to choose not to do. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up standing in what feels like conflict to the other two. Mm-hmm. Where I think most of my life feels very stable except for the conflict of those three items. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the basis of much of what has been difficult with having a baby now. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, it the first pillar yeah. is less negotiable. Mm-hmm. It has to look a certain way. It has to cost a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. It creates more tension between that pillar and the other two. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was sharing that actually just as a clarifying example to help facilitate the question I was initially asking. But why don't you loop mm-hmm. back in on what you were thinking? So when you went to put the baby to bed, I was just wondering, like, how is it that you're so able to keep pursuing your passions and having that as a non-negotiable that does not feel like a non-negotiable for me like passions are extracurricular and then I realized when I was acting I was pursuing my passion and it was non-negotiable there was nothing that was going to stop me from doing that but the Lord asked me to lay that down and what I think now what I felt a little bit then was like I need to shift my focus to him because I'm losing myself in creating this kingdom for myself So realistically, like the passions actually shifted into intangible things. Like I need to know God. I need to know my Bible. I need to know myself. I need to heal my history. I need to become a whole person in health, in mindset, in relationships, in being a good friend. Like these are all things that have become my passions one after another where I've like just invested, invested, invested in all these different things, but they're not tangible goals. They're not practical because like in our culture, we talk about like pursuing your passions actually means pursuing a career that you're passionate about. It doesn't mean having passions that you follow through on and pursue. And I haven't had a career that's come up for me since acting that's felt at all like, yes, I want to invest in this. I don't have ideas about what that would be for me. And so I think I've like crossed off my list. Pursuing passions is is extracurricular. But I also, as I'm like thinking about it and verbalizing this a little bit, I don't think I actually have stopped pursuing my passions. They just aren't the things that I would have put in that box. I would have understood passions to be a very particular set of things. And so I have mentally thought, I don't have any. I don't 
pursue that. That's not for me right now. Where in reality, I think pursuing our passions actually does need to stay a non-negotiable. But we also need to understand that that does not just mean pursuing careers or income through a certain avenue, but actually the thing that's lighting your soul up, even if that's researching pro-metabolic eating, that is pursuing your passion. You gonna photograph the moment? I was gonna, I was gonna be like, <laughs> man, there's some sound bites in there. I'm gonna need some thumbnails for those sound bites. <laughs> Having had this conversation, hmm. would you approach the question of what in your life is a negotiable or non-negotiable any differently? I don't know the answer, but I'm smiling where before I was feeling super tense. So I think the answer is yes. I don't know how to practically implement it. But if I was just going to look at this life, I would say um, guarding and protecting and like building Judah, guarding, protecting and building you and I. I do think that curating a peaceful home is my role, like not my whole identity or like all I get to do in life. But I think that that is actually a really a strength of mine that is needed. One thing that I wrote down while you're talking was making a space for rest. Wow. That struck <laughs> as the driving force behind a lot of the tasks that you're listing. Yeah. And then I also wrote allowing me to be freed up and meeting the standard and had check marks beside both of those as that felt like a mm-hmm. into the ditch version. Yeah. But the making a space for rest is yeah. one that stood out as. Yeah. Well, and what's really cool is just having this conversation and both realizing like my historical mindset ditches and my categorical ditches around what passions are has totally driven me into a tree (laughs) in terms of living a life that fulfills me. Having had just a little bit of a shift in this conversation, putting passions back on the non-negotiable feels right. And that means like spending time researching things is of value because I'm actually pursuing my passions where in the last year and a half, I would have said I'm wasting time because I didn't realize what was actually going on. I'm excited. <laughs> I love this so much. This is a really cool conversation. Yeah.